All right, I want to welcome you to Chapel Nights. How are we feeling? I love it. So pumped that you're here with us. And if it's your first time, I want to say welcome. Come on, let's put our hands together for everybody here for the first time. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. We're so glad that you are with us. And my name is Pastor Mark. I get the privilege of uh, being one of the young adult pastors, being the young adult pastor at Grace Family Church, as well as being one of the family ministry pastors at Grace. And I really mean this. If it's your first time, I'm so pumped that you joined us. But uh, tonight's a little bit different. Obviously, we've got SCU Grace joining us. Come on, let's welcome SCU Grace. So excited about tonight. And I believe tonight is a night... um, God's going to move. God's going to speak something to each and every one of us. And tonight we're kicking off a new collection, a new series called He is Alive. And we're getting ready for Easter. And about this time of the year, I know this is a moment for us to reflect and remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But not only that, I think it's a moment for us to grow closer to Jesus. As we get into this series over the next couple of weeks, my heart and my hope is that each and every one of us, that we would be challenged and changed and moved a little bit closer to Jesus. That's my hope. So tonight, we're going to crack this word of God open. We're going to crack the word open. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And maybe for some of you, this is a familiar chapter of scripture. But I love this moment here. We're going to take our time looking at this passage. And it says this in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all of the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are so worried and upset over all of the details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Tonight, I want to speak to you from this idea, seated at the feet of Jesus. Seated at the feet of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence that's evident. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that's here. We thank you for your word that is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray, Lord, that in this moment, your word and your spirit, that it would speak to us and meet us, that we would leave better than we came, changed, transformed, redeemed, and renewed by the power of your spirit and your might. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so here we go. I want to start here. How many of you ever been driving somewhere and um, you kind of arrive at a place and you're like, how the heck did I get here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, how did I I end up in this place? I remember uh, when I was in college, I played football in Miami, Florida, and while I was playing college football there in Miami, that's my wife, don't worry about it, not many people from Miami. But when I was playing football there in Miami, uh, my family, my hometown's here in Tampa, so I'd find myself quite often going between Tampa and Miami. And I remember sometimes I'd leave college in the middle of the night and I'd pull up at my parents' house and I'd be like, how the heck did I end up here? Because on the drive, I was just so distracted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you're driving somewhere and when you keep on doing it, it becomes routine and you kind of get zoned out. You know what I'm talking about? Like you get zoned, you get distracted. Some things start distracting you. 
I remember I was zoning out one time. I was listening to music, and then my thoughts caught a hold of me, and I'm zoned out because of my thoughts. And then one moment, I'm like, wow, look at the cow pastures. How beautiful. I'm zoned out now. And I'm like, I finally pull up on the drive. How did I get here? How did I end up in this place? And I, I share that story because I believe so many of us can relate to that, not only in the physical, but also in the spiritual. I share that story because I believe so many of us, we find ourselves in this place in our relationship with Jesus and we say, how did, I, how did I end up in this place so far adrift? How did I end up in this place where I'm struggling with my faith? How did I end up in this place where I'm no longer believing God? How did I end up in this place where I'm no longer praying and seeking God's face? I think so many of us today, we need to realize we have allowed some things to distract us and take us adrift in our relationship with Jesus. We get distracted. And I love this story in Luke chapter 10 because here we see Jesus, he's in the middle of his ministry. He's in the middle of doing miracles and he knows that his time to die on the cross where he'd be crucified for all of humanity is soon approaching. So Jesus, he knows that he needs to stay close to Jerusalem. And as Jesus, he's approaching Jerusalem, he stops in a small village called Bethany. Now Bethany, Bethany was about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And as Jesus, he stops in Bethany, he stops at the house of two women by the name of Mary and Martha. Now, Mary and Martha, these two women, they were familiar to Jesus. They were friends of Jesus. You see, not long ago, Jesus would actually raise their brother Lazarus from the dead. So these women aren't unfamiliar to Jesus, but they invite Jesus into the house, and Martha opens up the door, and she's preparing, and she's cooking dinner for Jesus, the scriptures tell us. But I thought about that. I'm like, yo, if Jesus is coming over for dinner, what are you cooking? Like, what are you going to cook for the Savior of the world? If you're anything like my wife, you'd be like, you know, let's just put together a little charcuterie board. <laughs> throw, some, throw some pizza rolls, right? <laughs> throw some pizza rolls with it. A little block of, block of cheese, right? Let's throw some carrots in there and cut out the little, the little ridges in the carrots to make it look good. Let's throw some, some grapes in there to add some color, like... What do you you cook? You got the savior of the world at your home. And I could imagine, we laugh about it, but Martha's in the kitchen and and she's freaking out. She's just overwhelmed. She's stressed out. She knows she has the savior of the world and all of his disciples here waiting for dinner. Talk about don't mess up dinner, right? But I love this moment though, because it says this in verse 39. That as Martha's in the kitchen cooking, Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, she was so busy and she was so distracted with all of her cooking and serving responsibilities. And she approached Jesus in this moment. She looks at Jesus. She says, Lord, do you not care? Is it of no concern to you at all? My sister has left me to do all of the serving, all of the responsibilities. Tell her to get up and do her part. And I love that moment so much because Martha's big sister mentality kind of kicks in. Her little attitude starts to kick in. Her little big sister sass kicks in in this moment. And what that shows us is she's frustrated. She's overwhelmed. She's kind of losing it. How many of you know when you're in the kitchen and you're, you're getting stressed out or a little flustered, maybe there's a lot of dishes, you just randomly start like banging all the dishes I could just imagine, like, Martha's trying to get everybody's attention in the house. She just starts banging all these dishes in the sink. And I love this moment because as she's frustrated, she starts snapping. Martha starts getting snappy. And she's not getting snappy with her sister. 
she gets snappy with Jesus. She says, Lord, don't you care? Do you not care, Lord? God, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Why are you just letting this happen? She's just sitting there. Martha gets snappy with Jesus. And I think what's so interesting about that is some of us are like Martha. We've asked God this question. God, do you not care? Lord, are you not present? Lord, I'm praying. I'm seeking your face. God, I'm changing the way I live my life. Why aren't you showing up in my life? Lord, do you not care about my needs? Do you not care about my heart, God? Do you not care about my desires? God, where are you in the midst of this? And I think what's so interesting about this is so many of you, you've been trying to change your behaviors. You started praying more. You're trying to change your lifestyle. And you're still sitting there saying, God, why aren't you coming through? God, why aren't you showing up in my life? God, why aren't you showing up with the breakthrough? God, why aren't you answering the prayers? And I believe that God is looking at some of us saying, no, no, no. Just like he said to Martha, 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 Martha. You've got this all wrong. You've made living for me all about changing your behavior. You've got a divided attention. You're not focused on me. I believe so many of us in the room, we're trying to change our lives, we're trying to live for Jesus, but the truth of it is this, we have a divided attention, and Jesus is saying, it's not about doing things or action or what you can do for me, I just want you to sit at my feet. I just want you to focus your attention on me, and I don't want you to miss this, because in this moment, in this time that we read about in Luke chapter 10, a woman's primary responsibility was to be a homemaker was to be a hostess, to host people and serve people. So technically, Mary should be helping Martha. Technically, Mary should be in the kitchen helping her sister, but instead, Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus. But what I love about this is that posture that Mary's in, it's the posture of someone who is committed to a rabbi, which was Jesus. It's the posture of someone who was in awe of the rabbi. It's the posture of someone that's showing honor. It's the posture of someone showing respect. It's the honor, it's the honor, it's the loyalty, it's the respect, and most importantly, it's a posture of adoration. You see, Mary's posture was a picture of her devotion. She was fixated, she was focused on Jesus. She was in adoration of Jesus. And some of us today, like Martha, we are missing the point. And I want you to know, Jesus is more concerned with your adoration than he is your actions. He's more concerned with your adoration than he is your action. And I want you to get this today. He cares more about you fixing your focus on him. He cares more about you fixing your focus on him. What I love about this, this, would, uh, this moment where Mary seated at the feet of Jesus, this would be one of three times we actually see this in Scripture. You see, in John chapter 11, there would be a moment where Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, passes away. And Lazarus passes away and his body's in a tomb for several days. And in this moment, Mary and Martha catch word that Jesus is headed to the tomb. And the Bible says that Mary runs towards Jesus and she falls at his feet. In the next chapter, John chapter 12, you see a moment where the disciples and Jesus, they're having a meal together. They're all eating, they're all hanging out, they're all celebrating, having a good time. They're breaking bread. And in this moment in John chapter 12, as they're breaking bread, Mary arrives on the scene and she does the unthinkable. You see, Mary in this moment, she pulls up to the table, she falls to her feet, 
she begins to put anointing oil and fragrance on the feet of Jesus. And not only that, she then wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. She fell at the feet of Jesus. I love that moment so much because actually one of the disciples that were at the meal, his name was Judas. If you know anything about Judas, he would later on go and betray Jesus. He tries to stop Mary in that moment. And Jesus looks at him and he says, what are you doing? She's displaying her devotion to me. She's showing you all how you ought to love me. She's showing you all how you ought to adore me. I love that moment so much because Mary was consistent in displaying her devotion. And hear me on this. We should live lives that are centered on serving Jesus, but our outward expression is always a reflection of our inward devotion. Our outward expression is always a reflection. It should be like a mirror of our inward devotion of what God is doing within us. And I know some of you would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus. I, I love Jesus. But my question for you tonight is this. Have you taken a seat at his feet and have you truly surrendered your life to him? Have you taken a seat at his feet and have you truly surrendered your life to him? And some of you tonight, you need to realize your life feels a little chaotic. Right now, your life feels a little hectic. Your, your life feels like it's kind of upside down. You feel like something is missing in your life. Some of you feel weary because you're, you're focused on all of the wrong things. God's just saying, would you just sit at my feet? Would you just focus your attention on me? Some of you are feeling all these different emotions, weary, tired, burned out, fatigued. And I'm reminded in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, that Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are tired. Come to me, all you who are fatigued. Come to, you, come to me, all you who are burned out, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll give you what the world can't offer you. And I wonder today if the reason why you're not experiencing rest is because you have not surrendered to Jesus. I wonder today if the reason why you're, you're feeling and experiencing anxiety and all these overwhelming emotions and your life feels chaotic because you have yet to sit at the feet of Jesus. I love how it picks up in verse 40. It says, Martha was, was busy. She was busy and distracted with all of her responsibilities, jumping down to verse 41. But the Lord replied to her and said, Martha, Martha, girl, you are so worried and bothered. Girl, you so distracted. Girl, you is anxious, Martha. You see, like Martha, some of us made our lives chaotic. We're living these busy lives, we're living these routine lives, and we're doing it without Jesus. Some of us are living these busy lives, we're so consumed, we're so distracted by people, places, and things that we have forgotten what it looks like to be seated at the feet of Jesus. You know, my wife and I, we have, we have a little dog, his name is Maverick, I shouldn't say he's little, he's about the size of a horse. Um, <laughs> he's a 70-pound Aussie doodle, beautiful dog, amazing, brilliant dog, but thing about it is, is um, Maverick was crazy. Maverick's, Maverick's crazy. We've, we've had some issues with Maverick, you know. He's only a year and a half. But the thing about it is, is when Maverick, we would try and take him on a walk, because he's such a large dog, all he wants to do is just pull. He just wants to pull, and he ends up getting so burned out, I like, gotta carry this 70-pound dog home. I'm like struggling through the street with this 70-pound dog because he's so burned out. 
Not only that, but when Maverick's going on a walk, Michelle and I live in a community, there's a lot of construction taking place in our community at the moment. And Maverick, when he's walking, he just gets so distracted. He sees some caution tape on the ground, what does he do? He eats it. How do I know? I found it in his, you figure it out. Walking Maverick, he sees a rock, he eats it. Walking Maverick, he sees weeds, he eats it. He sees wood, he eats it. And then he'll get home and he starts feeling sick and then he's just like laying there looking at us. I'm like, bro, you keep doing this to yourself. He just doesn't really know right from wrong, or he does, but he keeps on doing it to himself and he keeps finding himself in this, this cycle of fatigue and burnout. He keeps finding himself in this, in this cycle of sickness, throwing up, feeling disgusted. And what's so crazy about it is Michelle and I finally came to this, this moment where we're like, you know what? This dog's gonna eat all of our furniture. We gotta send him to uh, get him trained. So we sent him away for three weeks to a dog trainer and uh, this guy was doing mannerism trainings with Maverick for, for a few weeks. And Maverick, though, um, when he came back home, one of the things that were so interesting was he would, no longer, he would no longer get distracted when we walked him. He would no longer get distracted when we would take him for a walk. Maverick hasn't been sick, thank God, because he's no longer distracted when we walk him. When we take him for a walk now, he's no longer feeling exhausted. Why? Because he's learned to focus on staying in stride with our steps. See, Maverick's no longer trying to pull us. Maverick's no longer trying to get ahead of us. Can I tell you, some of you need to take a note from like the dog whisperer. Stop trying to get ahead of Jesus. Stop trying to pull Jesus. Stop trying to get ahead of his plans for your life. And would you just focus on his feet? Would you just focus on staying in step with Jesus. You see, I love this term, distraction. Jesus would use it in the text to explain so many different people all throughout Scripture getting distracted in their life. When we think about this word distracted, at the root of it, it means to be pulled away from something. It means to be pulled away from something. And some of us today, can I tell you, we're distracted because of the people in our lives. Some of us are distracted in our devotion because of the people. We're distracted by people. Some of you today, I know we just finished a whole relationship series, but the truth of it is some of you have allowed someone to pull you away from Jesus. Some of you are in a relationship with a boy or a girl that's pulling you away from Jesus. Some of you, you're doing what we call missionary dating. It's this idea, if I can flirt, then I can convert. So some of you are, you're, you're in a relationship and you're doing that thing called missionary dating. Can I tell you, if you continue to missionary date, you will always experience heartache. If you continue to missionary date, you will always experience heartbreak. And some of you are going into these relationships and you're coming out of them broken. And you're saying, why did this have to happen to me? Can I just encourage you today? If he doesn't love Jesus, let him go. If she doesn't love Jesus, let her go. Because the truth of it is, you can pull someone to Jesus, but chances are they're going to pull you away from Jesus. Chances are greater they're actually going to pull you away from Jesus. I think about this. Some of you today, you need to be reminded. 
your circle of influence, the people that you call your friends, it matters. Your circle, it matters. The people that you do life with, it matters. The people who you invite into your life, it matters. Some of you are friends with so many people that bring nothing but drama and gossip and toxicity. Some of you have friends that are just negative influences and you figure, I just go with the flow. I'm just gonna go with the flow and you're, you're being influenced in a way that is actually pulling you away from Jesus. Let me take you to scripture, the Old Testament. I think about a story of a man by the name of Samson. Samson, this man, he was a Nazarite. He was called by God. He, he was sealed. He, he had a great anointing on his life. He was going to do great things for God. He had a great purpose ahead of him. But Samson, he invited a woman by the name of Delilah into his life. How many of you know that song, Hey There, Delilah? It's like, Hey There, Delilah, what's it like while we are sinning? And I know you look so good, and I know you look so pretty. Yes, you do. <laughs> Some of you need to be reminded, though, the people you allow into your life should be pulling you closer to Jesus. Yeah. These should be people that are challenging you to follow Jesus. These should be people that are calling you up. Hey, you weren't at Tuesday night. Hey, I didn't see you on Sunday. Where are you at? Some of you are distracted because of the people in your life. Not only people, though, some of you are distracted because of the places you're going. Some of you are distracted by the places that you are going. I'm all for a good time. If you know me, I'm all for a good time, but I'm not sure if I want to be remaining at the feet of Jesus, Bar Howard's probably not the place. If I want to remain at the feet of Jesus, McDittons is probably not the place. I, I know I talk about this all the time, and I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm all about a good time. I'm all for a good time, but the question is, the spaces that you are going, who holds the influence? Are you influencing the crowd? Are you influencing the environment? Are you being influenced by the environment? The places you are going, it matters, y'all, and some of you are being moved from the feet of Jesus because of the places you are going. You know, I'm expecting my, my firstborn, my daughter, in July, and... I'm, I'm very excited about it. Michelle and I are so excited about it. But like, I remember when I was, you know, a little bit younger and I was in college, I, I would wrestle with this idea, like the places I go, I can, I can convert everybody, I can minister in the club, I can minister in the bar, I can share the message of hope with people over a beer. I, I believed it. But can I tell you the truth? That's, that's not your job. That's not our job, but I, I keep telling myself as, as I get ready to have my, my, my daughter Man, I just wish if back then I would have thought like this. The places that I'm going into, and I walked into a space and I see my daughter at a bar, how would that make me feel? How would, how would my daughter feel seeing me in a club? How would my daughter see me at the bar? How would my daughter see me in these different spaces? How would I feel seeing my daughter in these different spaces? Many of you tonight, you, you don't have children, but I want you to start thinking, the decisions I make today will affect my child's tomorrow. The decisions that I make today will affect my child's tomorrow. Some of you are distracted by places. I think about a man by the name of David. David was anointed, was called by God, another man that had so much purpose on his life. But I think about this moment where David, he's supposed to be headed out with the rest of the army to fight and, and lead the battle. But David, he decides to stay behind, the Bible tells us. He decides not to go with the rest of the troops. He stays behind. 
And one night, it says in the Bible, probably a late night, David, he decides to go to the rooftop bar. Hello. David's chilling on the rooftop, and from afar, he sees a woman by the name of Bathsheba. And he sees this woman. He says, I need her. I want her. So what does he do? He gets off the rooftop, goes down, he sleeps with Bathsheba, gets her pregnant. And then what we see is David actually finds himself stumbling in this cycle of sin because now he gets her pregnant and now he has to figure out, how do I cover this up? So what does he do? He has Bathsheba's husband, a man by the name of Uriah, killed. Some of you don't understand. The decisions that you're making, it's putting you in a perpetual cycle of sin that not only are distracting you, but destroying your life. It's not only distracting you from being seated at the feet of Jesus, it's destroying your relationship with Jesus. And some of you feel that, some of you know that, but I just want to tell you tonight, you can be reseated at the feet of Jesus. You can repent, you can turn from your ways, and you can seek sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think some of us tonight, we need to be reminded, not only does it matter the people and the places that we, we go or the people that we invite into our lives, some of us need to be reminded we got some things in our life that are distracting us. We, we've got some things in our life that are distracting us. I know we speak about it often, but pornography, men and women, it is distracting you and it is destroying you. It is killing you. And some of us, we, we just need to take a step and admit to it and say, I got, it. I got to get some help. I got I to gotta seek some help. I need to seek some accountability in this area. I think about at Grace Family Church, we've got a group called Freedom. We've got a group called Celebrate Recovery. You, you need to take that step and say, I'm no longer going to mess with that. I'm no longer going to be distracted. I'm going to invite some people into my life. I'm going to get the help I need to get back to a place where I can focus on being whole and pure. Not only that, I think about so many, especially young guys, you're distracted by your job. You're distracted by your job. Some of you are like, what? What? Distracted by my job? Some of you have made an idol of your job. Some of you are so distracted because you want to, you know, chase the paycheck. And you keep telling yourself, you know what? Life will begin when I have this many zeros in my bank account. Life will begin when I get six-figure salary or when I land the big job. Or life will begin when I got this amount of M's in my bank account. Can I tell you today, life doesn't begin when you got M's or O's in your account. It begins when you surrender your life to Jesus. It begins when you surrender your life to Jesus. Some of us need to be reminded we are distracted by things. I think about this, social media and our phones. I know I talk about it often, but it would blow your mind. How many times, we, we probably, we're just oblivious to the idea how many times we actually touch our phone. Uh, research says that uh, in the term of our life, our generation is on track to, by the end of our life, have spent almost nine years on our phone or connected to social media. It's crazy. It's actually said, many people would say, um, it, I read this the other day, this, this fact blew my mind. It said that the only two industries in the world that call their customers users are drug dealers and social media platforms. My, my question for you to this, I'm all for a phone, I'm not, not anti-phone, I think phones are powerful tools, but my question for you to, is this, are you, are you using it or is it using you? Are you using it or is it using you? 
it's crazy. It's so crazy. Let me, let me show you what happened to me. Literally yesterday morning, I'm, I'm prepping for my sermon, sitting in my office at my house, and got my, my Bible and my phone on my desk. And I woke up super early. I was feeling so good. I'm like cranking out work about 5.30 in the morning, doing emails and uh, just doing all my work stuff, taking care of sermon prep and all this different stuff, communicating and, uh, to my staff and my teams. And out of nowhere, my phone just... Ah! You're like, that's your ringtone? Yeah, that's my ringtone. <laughs> but, 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 like getting all these notifications, text messages, like getting all these different notifications. My phone won't stop going off in this moment. I'm getting texts, I'm getting all these different things. Then, da 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 ESPN, breaking news. St. Peter's loses. And my next notification, CNN, Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. I'm like, I need this. What is, what, what, what? I'm literally scrolling through all of this news. 35 minutes goes by. And I sit there and go, I have yet to even spend any time with Jesus. I have yet to even talk to the Lord. Some of us don't realize that's our greatest issue. Some things in our life are distracting us from a fully devoted Attention, our fully devoted attention to Jesus, having a full devotion to Jesus. Some things are distracting us in our life, and it's pulling our attention away from who and what matters the most. I want to share this with you because I believe this message matters. Because many of us are going through life missing out on what God has for us because we're distracted. That's the simple truth of tonight. And I wrote this down in my, my journal. I heard this quote one time, and it says, I have decided that I'm not going to let anything that will ultimately mean nothing keep me from experiencing what will ultimately mean everything. I have decided. I have decided that I'm not going to let anything that will ultimately mean nothing keep me from experiencing what will ultimately mean everything. And some of you tonight, you sit here and say, okay, I get it. I'm distracted. But how do I live this out? Like, what does it look like to change my life and be seated at the feet of Jesus? And I want you to know, some of you tonight, you need to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. Some of you tonight, you need to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. Some of you, you need to return back to being seated at his feet. Some of you, you made a decision several moments or several years ago to follow after Jesus, but you know you got some things that have distracted you, and it's taken you adrift. Can I tell you, it's not too late to go back and be reseated at the feet of Jesus. I think about this. There's a moment in Scripture in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is talking, and he's confronting all of the churches, all the seven churches, and there's a moment where he confronts the church of Ephesus. He says, Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, you've done special things. You've done great things. But there is just this one thing I have against you. It says this in Revelation 2, 4. It says, you have abandoned the love you showed me at the beginning. You have abandoned the love. You have abandoned the passion that you once had for me. Can I tell you, some of you in the room, you need to understand that's God's message to you tonight. You've abandoned the love. You've fallen astray. You've gone adrift from the love that, that you once had from. And he's calling you back to take a seat at his feet. Some of us tonight, we need to understand that we need to take some things to the feet of Jesus. We gotta take some things to the feet of Jesus. Many of us are distracted by people. Many of us are distracted by places. 
Many of us, we're distracted by our past. We're distracted by our past. Some of us in the room, maybe we've made some mistakes in our past, maybe we failed, we've done some wrong, maybe we've gotten into some trouble. You feel like you can't let that go. You feel like that record, that rap sheet's tied to your name. Some of you in the room, the distraction from your past is the fact that you're dwelling on people who have hurt you. You're dwelling on people that have lied to you. You're dwelling on, on things and people that have betrayed you or backstabbed you or abused you. And you're dwelling on those things. And as your pastor, I just want to let you know tonight, your past doesn't rob you from what God has for you in the present and in your future. See, some of you feel like you're too far gone. Some of you feel like you've gone way too far adrift. Some of you feel like there's no way to get back to the feet of Jesus, and you're just saying, this is it. You're saying, this is it. And I want you to know today, don't let your past distract you from what God has ahead of you. Don't let your past distract you from what God wants to do in the present and in your future. Some of you need to be reminded, you are not your mistake. You are not your sin. Some of you just feel like you are who that guy said you are when he broke up with you. Some of you feel like you are that person that they said you are when you, when you got fired from your job. I want you to know today, maybe that thing affected you and you need healing. You can find healing at his feet. Maybe for you tonight, you need confidence. You can find confidence at the feet of Jesus. Some of you, you need a new beginning. You can find the new beginning at the feet of Jesus. Some of you need a newfound joy. You can find it at the feet of Jesus. Some of you need a newfound hope. You can find it at the feet of Jesus. Some of you need to find your confidence. And can I tell you, it's found at his feet. It's found by being seated at his feet. Don't let the past distract you from what God is getting ready to do in your present, because the truth of it is this, everything that you want, everything that you need can be found at his feet. I want everybody to stand all across the room. When you walked in today, you should have received a little card like this. And I just wanna let somebody know today, you need to make a decision, and tonight's the night where you make that decision. To say, you know what, that's it. I'm putting a line in the sand. I'm not going to let things distract me. I'm not going to have a divided devotion. I'm going to focus on being seated at the feet of Jesus. And for some of you tonight, you need to first make a decision to surrender. You need to make a decision to surrender your life. You need to make a decision to be reseated at the feet of Jesus and maybe say that prayer again. Some of you tonight, you need to surrender some things at the foot of the cross, which is the feet of Jesus. So with that card that you received when you walk in, I want you to really think long and hard. Maybe it is the moment, the day, that you make that decision to accept Jesus into your life. Write it on the card. Maybe for you, tonight is the night where you surrender something at the foot of the cross. Write that down. Because I want you to think this cross is unique. It's a picture of when Jesus died on a cross for our sins. His hands were nailed to this cross. He had a crown of thorns over his head and his feet were suspended from the ground. You can leave it at his feet because he's defeated that thing for you. He's taking care of that fear. He's taking care of the anxiety. He's taking care of the doubt. He's defeated the doubt. 
He's defeated the anxiety. He's defeated the insecurities. So because of that, I think we ought to just write it down and leave it at his feet and trust him. I think we ought to write it down and say, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you. Lord, I'm bringing it to your feet. Lord, I'm believing you're going to bring healing to my life. Lord, I'm believing you're going to give me the confidence I've been in search of. God, I'm bringing it to your feet.